0: Bible, Psalm 23, Psalm 23, you got to deal with me a little bit because I've got a sinus infection, so we're going to hack our way through this sermon together, but as Brad told me, he said, Psalm 23 is so good, even a bad preacher can have a good message, and so I appreciate that, I guess, I'm not really sure, Hmm. I wonder how often we surf across scripture, Without really pondering the message inside of it. Especially scripture that we know so well. I imagine most could stand up in this room tonight and you could quote the 23rd Psalm. Not because you have tried to memorize it, but simply because it has been expressed to you throughout your entire life. You have heard sermons preached on it, You have gone to uh, funeral services and it's always the message uh, of a funeral service. And so as you go through life, the 23rd Psalm has just been a part of your life from early on. But I'm afraid if we're not careful because of that, we can miss the significance. We can miss the value. Psalm 23 is an incredible psalm, not just because it is well-known or famous, if you will, but it is incredible because it teaches us so much about the Lord and the God that we serve. There is much encouragement in the 23rd Psalm. So don't just believe that you, you already have it all figured out. Let the Lord speak to you through his word tonight. <clears throat> There's two headings that I find to the 23rd Psalm. The first is that it is a, a psalm of confidence it is a psalm of privilege it is a, a psalm that that we look to God and we are confident because of what he has done for us you'll notice this psalm is not a prayer David is not saying Lord would you be my shepherd Lord would you meet my needs Lord would you guide me that, that's not his heart his heart is God this is who you are you are the shepherd. You are the one who meets my needs. You are the one who guides me. And so, Lord, I am honoring you because of that. Lord, I have confidence in you because of that. And so we could say it is a psalm of confidence. We could say it is a psalm of faith. Remember what faith is? Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the confidence of things not yet seen. And so as we look at the 23rd Psalm, we see how a man or a woman of God lives their life as they journey through the good times and the difficult times. And so it's a psalm of confidence, but also it is a psalm of pilgrimage. It's a psalm of of journey as we travel through life. This last week we were able to get a little getaway and we went to Branson. And on Tuesday we decided to go from Branson to Springfield. It's about a 45-minute trip, and we were going to eat at Lambert's. Anybody ever eaten at Lambert's? That's good stuff now. I love it. They, they throw, if you haven't been, they, they have these hot rows, and the guy comes out with a little cart, and it's a big restaurant, and if you want a row, you raise your hand. And he just throws it across the, the restaurant to you. And so my boys love to play catch. And so every time that little guy came out with a cart, they were waving at him, and he'd throw it, and they'd take one bite, and they'd wave their hand again. <laughs> We had a pile of rows. We were kind of wasteful. I hate that. But, but so we were making this, this journey. And for a family from Longview, man, it, it's constantly, you're going up the Ozarks and down, up and down. It's just beautiful. I mean, you're constantly going up and down as you make this, this beautiful journey through the mountains and through the, through the hills. And I was reminded that that's what life is, isn't it? I mean, life, life is a journey of ups and downs, we have, we have times where we're just rejoicing and there is greatness and everything seems to be going right all around us. And then there are times that it's just tough. I mean, there's sickness, there's, there's, there's cancer we're talking about earlier. And there's all these things that just, it's such a valley, it's such a depth, it's such a, a low point that just rips at our heart. Life is a journey of ups and downs. And so through the pilgrimage, we learn how to live a life that honors God. We learn how to live and navigate this life. The Israelite people were used to pilgrimage. When Abraham started, what happened? Well, God sent him out to travel to a land that he did not know. And then the Israelites went to Egyptian bondage. And then for 40 years, they were wandering around on a pilgrimage looking for the promised land. They were passing through. They were looking forward to reaching the land that God had promised. And along the journey, they were staying focused on God. They were faithful to Yahweh throughout all of it. And we're reminded that where one is now is not where one is heading. That was true for the Israelites, and it's true for us tonight. Where we find ourselves today, we're just on the journey. This is not our destination. We are just traveling through. Theologians call it this, they call it, and I like it, the already but not yet. You know what that means? In the Christian life, we have already experienced so much goodness of it. We're being restored to the Lord. Our soul is being transformed to be more like God. We're learning to love others, not out of a selfish love, but out of a true, agape, if you will, sense of love. But even with that in mind, we still know it's not yet, don't we? Because we look at our life and we see the sin and we see the struggle and we see the rebellion. And so we, we realize that Christ has come and our life is being transformed already in this moment right now. But yet there is so much more to come that we long for, that we look forward to as we make this journey. We see the brokenness and the incompleteness of our life. We live as strangers in a strange land, travelers on the way, not at home here, but testifying to the realities of the future. And so what the psalm does is it gives comfort to those on the journey. Wherever you find yourself tonight, this psalm gives comfort. It may be that you find yourself tonight and you're in a low spot. You're in a valley. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. And you're working hard and you're trying to put the smile on and keep on going, but every day it's as tough as it was the day before. Maybe you've got a loved one who has cancer and it is ripping you apart to see them go through it, and every day is difficult. There's encouragement in this psalm. Maybe you've got a a son or a daughter who is rebellious and you pray for them and you lift them up before the, the throne room of God, but yet It just seems like nothing's happening. And it's hard for you not to lose faith and lose trust. There's encouragement in this psalm. Maybe there's financial problems. Maybe there's marriage problems, relationship problems, job problems. Maybe you find yourself and you're just in a good spot right now. Praise God for that. Maybe you look at your life and uh, everything's going well. Or maybe you look at your life and a tree fell on your swimming pool yesterday. I mean, you never know what life throws at you. But wherever you find yourself in life there's encouragement in this psalm so so what does it show us well the first thing and you'll know this, nothing new the first thing is the Lord is my shepherd we've heard that so many times I'm afraid it loses its excitement to us but shepherd is the most comprehensive and the most intimate metaphor that we have yet encountered in the psalms You see, a shepherd was considered the lowest of all work. When when a family needed a shepherd, you know who they sent out? The youngest son. We see that with David. Because it was a job that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted to be the shepherd. It was a thankless, endless job. They would go out, they would be with the sheep day in and day out. Night after day after night after day. They would be out with the sheep when the weather was pretty. And they would be out with the sheep when the weather was It was a task that was never-ending as they labored to nourish and to guide and to protect the sheep. And so we would ask ourselves, who would want this job? Who would want this task? Who would want this responsibility? But in Psalm 23, we see this is what God has done for us. He has chosen to come and be our shepherd and to take care of us and to nourish us, and to protect us, and to guide us. Oftentimes in the psalm, there is the the more distant king. He is our king. We praise God for that. He is our deliverer. He is our rock He is our fortress. He he is our shield. All of these things, but those are outside. Now we have the personal relationship, the day-by-day living where we see that God is not a foreign king or a foreign fortress, but God is a personal shepherd in our lives. And we should thank God for that. Uh, Automatically, there is references that come up to the New Testament where Jesus is talking, and this is Luke 15. He's talking about a good shepherd and he says, "Good shepherd goes out and says he has 100 sheep, and one is missing. What does he do? He leaves the 99. He goes and finds the one missing sheep. And when he finds it, lovingly, he throws it on his shoulders. He comes back into his home. He calls his neighbors, his friends, his families, celebrate with me because this sheep was lost, but now he's been found. Oh, what a good shepherd we serve. John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does the shepherd do? The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Do you realize that we were purchased? The shepherd purchased us with his own blood. The wrath of God was destined for us because of sin, but Jesus took our spot, and in doing so, he purchased his sheep so that he could come in and be their shepherd. And so it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to notice an important part. I circle this in my Bible. The Lord is what? My. That's so important. That makes all the difference. The Lord is shepherd whether he is your shepherd or not. That is the quality and the character of God. But what matters for your life and for my life is that we can say he is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He takes care of me. He leads me. He guides me. He protects me. Can you say tonight that the Lord is my shepherd? All right, so what does it mean? He's my shepherd, so what does that mean? Well, number one, it means that my needs are met. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sheep in themselves, they are the most helpless of animals they're helpless they cannot provide for themselves but when they have a shepherd he takes care of their needs we belong to the one who is self-sufficient who is utterly unchanged by time and who lacks nothing he is sufficient for all things and he will provide for us now we look at it it says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want what does that not mean well it doesn't mean that we get everything we dream of doesn't mean that you want the new car, the new house, whatever it is, you're going to get it. But it means that we will have our needs met. And I believe even more than needs. It goes on to talk about green pastures and quiet waters. The Bible talks about a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Have you experienced those good gifts? That's from a good shepherd. Our shepherd is not stingy. He's not tight. See, I'm tight. Well, I'll just tell a little story on myself. We went... Last fall, we went to the beach in Destin, and one day we decided to go to Shake's. It's like an Andes. Y'all been to the new Andes? It's kind of like Andes. And so we walk up, and I am looking at the menu, and I notice on the menu you can get a small for $5.25, and a small is about this big. I mean, it's very small. Or you can get a large for $8.25, and the large is big. Okay, plenty in the large. And so I go to the boys and I say, boys, let's, let me teach you something. Let's save a little money. <clears throat> let's get one large and we'll get lots of spoons and we'll share it. Sounds good, right? And all of a sudden there was a problem because Mason said, but daddy, I want my own flavor. Right? And I said, okay. And I thought for a minute. And I said, here's what we're going to do. Everybody picks a flavor and we add it to the large and then we just enjoy it together. Okay. And I'm thinking, I have beat the system. I have figured it out. This is going to be good. And so I say, Mason, what flavor would you like? And Mason says, Daddy, I want raspberry. Okay. Maddox, what flavor do you want? And Maddox says, Daddy, I want hot fudge. And then Brittany and I, we like Reese's peanut butter cups. <clears throat> and so we, I walk to the, the, the lady, and I say, we want one large, and we want it to be a raspberry with hot fudge and Reese's peanut butter cups. And she looked back at me, and she said, are you sure? <laughs> and I said, because I'm thinking she knows that we beat the system now, you know, but, but she said, are you sure? And I said, yes, ma'am. So she said, let me just read it back to you on a large raspberry hot fudge and Reese's peanut butter cups. And I say, that's it. She said, okay. And so a few minutes later, it comes out and I get, I mean, it is a big cup and we go, we sit down on the picnic tables. We got our spoons and Max is the first one. and He gets a, a chunk of it. He puts it in his mouth and he, you know, he does this number. And then a few seconds later, he spits it out. I said, babe, what are you doing? He said, daddy, that is nasty. I said, oh, it can't be that bad. And have you ever eaten something and you're trying to pretend it's not bad, but you know it is? Right? Somebody cooks, maybe your wife cooks, and it's terrible, but you're trying to chew through it. Don't, don't look at them. But, and so I get a spoonful, and I'm, it's bad. I mean, it really, just the, flavors, the flavors are not mixing, but I'm trying to go with it. And so Mason gets a bite, and he spits it out. And I need, I need mama to come over and swallow this through so we can push on but she comes over, she takes one little bite, and she says, that is awful, throw it away. And so I was trying to save money, but now I've got to go buy four more. <clears throat> and so now I've spent over $30 on a few cups of ice cream. I'm tight. I'm not, a good, I'm not good with that. But the Lord comes, and we see that our needs are met. Our needs are met. It reminds me of, we looked a, a several weeks back on a Wednesday night, of Elijah, where he is forced to depend upon God he confronted the king and then the king and then the lord says go out to the brook and i'm going to take care of you at the brook there's a drought there's no water there's no food but elijah is at the brook and water is constantly there for him and the bible says the ravens bring bread and meat every morning and every evening just enough for the meal and so here elijah is and he is learning that i must depend upon god I must depend upon God for my needs, for my water, and for my food. And every day God delivers. It's amazing. And God teaches Elijah. Elijah, you can count on me. Elijah, you can trust in me. Elijah, you cannot depend on your money. You cannot depend on your intellect. You cannot depend on your abilities because all those things can pass away, can't they? Uh, You can wake up tomorrow and they can be gone. But you can always depend upon God and the heavenly catering service that He brings. It's similar the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I I told this also, there was a, a single mama. She had a small apartment, had children. And she would praise God. I mean, she would, she would just rejoice and she would praise God. And there was a, a man that lived next door, and he was an atheist. And he hated to listen to this woman praise God day after day after day. One day, there was more month than there was money. You know what I'm talking about? And so she was just crying out to God, saying, God, I need you to provide for my family My kids are hungry. Lord, would you work a miracle? Lord, would you do something? Lord, I'm going to praise you throughout the good times and the bad times. She just kept on going. And so the atheist neighbor, he was just getting fed up with it. And so he went out, went to the supermarket. He got several bags of groceries. And he came to her front door. He set the groceries down. He rang the doorbell. And then he went back to his apartment. And he waited. A lady came out, and she saw the groceries, and she just started praising God. God, you were so good. You have provided for my needs once again. Oh, God, you're so good. And the man jumped out and said, ha, I got gotcha. you. It wasn't God that gave those groceries. It was me. See, there is no God. You're wrong. I'm the one that brought this for you. And the lady smiled, and she said, God, you're so good. You brought me groceries, and you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> That's how good God is. He takes care of our needs every day at a time. There may be that you you used to trust in your money, you used to trust in relationships, and those things have have left. Maybe that tonight you need a friend, and God says, I'll be your friend. Maybe tonight that you're you're lonely, and God says, I will be here to comfort you. Maybe that you feel like you're weak, and the shepherd says, I will be your strength today. It may be you say, I don't have much. But the shepherd says, I will be your provision today. You see, when we trust in our shepherd, we know that our needs are met. That's why it says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Let, listen, let me just tell you, don't be anxious <clears throat> You're going through life, and sometimes it's hard not to worry, isn't it? You got problems, and you start worrying about it. You start looking at it. What what, what does worry do for you? Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. I take care of the animals. I take care of the the flowers. I take care of all this. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry your life away. Trust God. Trust the shepherd in your life. Verse continues, verse 2, and and look at it. He says, he makes me, talk about the shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd leads through these green pastures and these quiet streams to provide drinking water. The shepherd gives good things to his sheep. I like it because it, you'll notice it says he makes them lie down. There's a, there's a guy named uh, Philip Keller, and he is a theologian, but he also was a shepherd. And so he writes about shepherding, has a great book on the 23rd Psalm, and he says that four things must happen for a sheep to lie down. <clears throat> he said a common sheep will lie down only under the strictest of circumstances. And so number one, he says for a sheep to lie down, he must not be afraid of anything he's got to feel secure and so you got to make the sheep feel secure he said number 2 they are and when they're in a flock <clears throat> it's a social setting and so there cannot be discord or disunity in the flock that there's got to be this unified flock or else the sheep will not lie down he says if there are flies or parasites or pests the sheep will not lie down And lastly, if if the sheep does not know that he's got plenty of food around him, a sheep will not lie down. And so in other words, the sheep has to be totally comforted. He has to be totally dependent upon the shepherd. And when he knows that the shepherd is good and the shepherd will take care of him, that is when and only when the sheep will lie down. In our life, only the shepherd can give that to us. Only the shepherd can give you that completeness, that that wholeness, that sense of well-being. Well, you don't have to worry. You know your needs are going to be met. You know from the scripture that we're to have unity in the body of believers. You know that the pest, the demon, doesn't have a chance in your life because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And so because of the gifts that come from the shepherd, we are able to lie down and rest. I love it because the 23rd Psalm, it starts at this moment to where we're able to rest. It's not talking about do. So much of, of Christian work is about activity. And it's about do this, do this, do this. But in the 23rd Psalm, it is God provides for his sheep and then he allows them to rest. You know what some of, some of you need? You don't need one more thing to do. You don't need one more activity on your schedule. What you need is to rest in the Shepherd. For some of us, man, we're going, we're going so much, just not eating nothing. Every night there's one thing to go to. There's something else to go to. There's something else to go to. And because we are so busy, we cannot rest in the arms of Jesus. And so he says, I'm taking care of you. I'm giving you food. I'm giving you waters. I'm giving you pastures. I'm taking care of your needs. So come and rest in me. For some of us, what we need to do is to clear out our schedule. Matthew 11 says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice that the quiet waters where they can just sit. He also renews them so that they know in the presence of God it is good and it is worth living. He offers spiritual refreshment. You ever get a, a point in your life where you just need to be refreshed? You ever just feel like you're just You're just tired? Sometimes just living the Christian life can be exhausting, can't it? And we need to be refreshed. It says the the Lord, the shepherd, refreshes them. He renews them. Well, how do we find that? Well, I believe one way. I I hope tonight, for me, when I'm studying the Word of God, it renews me. I hope it does for you, too. I hope when we study God in His character and the way that He wants us to live our life, I hope there's a renewal inside of our heart. Whether that is a corporate setting or an individual setting, when you're at home in the morning and you're studying the Scripture, there ought to be a renewal in that. Maybe you're renewed just by the beautiful weather outside. And you go outside and the last few days have been so beautiful and you look around and you just stop and you say, God, you are so good. You ever do that? You ever just stop and say, God, you are so good. Lord, this is is awesome. And there's a, a renewal within your heart. Maybe there's a, a renewal through work. I believe the Bible teaches that when we work and we do a good job and we look back and the task is accomplished and we say, mm, that feels good, doesn't it? There's renewal through it. Maybe there's renewal even through defeat. You think about the way that you, you face defeat and then you're renewed by the fact that there is so much more that this life does not even have to offer. My life is more than my accomplishments. It's more than my talents. It's more than my abilities. So even though I just faced defeat, I can still stand and be renewed by how good God is. There's a renewal that comes through the Lord. Philip Keller talks about how a sheep, especially a heavy sheep with a, a, a thick coat, would go. And they would, they would find these little hollow points to lay in. And so he would go and he would get in this little hole. And oftentimes what would happen is they would lose their balance and they would end up flat on their back. And so they're on their back and somehow the gases inside their stomach begins to rise and they begin to lose uh, feeling and use of their legs. And it's only a matter of three or four hours before the sheep will die. And so what has to happen is the shepherd will come and renew the, the sheep. It's called to cast sheep. And so the shepherd will come and set them back up on their way to life. And he says this may be the reference that Jesus is talking about. That maybe in our spiritual life, there's a time that we're just on our back. And we don't know what to do. We can't get up. We don't know which way to turn. And it takes the shepherd to come in and to set us back on the journey of life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The next thing I see is that he directs our path. He directs our path. You see, sheep are foolish creatures. In fact, some would say they're some of the most stupid animals on earth. I wonder why we are called sheep so often in the Bible. You ever think about it? One aspect of their stupidity is seeing that they they wander away so easily. A shepherd will take sheep to a great pasture with water, and a sheep will often wander away, and shepherd will have to go and bring the sheep back to where they're supposed to be. Isaiah 53, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You realize the, the similarity here? The Lord has given us so much and has laid out the life that we're to live. But just like these foolish sheep, so many times we go where we're not supposed to go. It says he leads us to paths of righteousness. What that means is just the right way. He leads us in our life to show us which way that we ought to go. This is my path. This is the way that I want you to go in life. You ever think about what is the will of God in my life? That's a big question I think we struggle with sometimes. God, what do you want? I've got this decision to make. Which way should I go? Romans 12 It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to know the will of God? I believe the shepherd wants to lay that out for us. Well, how do, we, how do we get that? We're not like the world, but we're focused in on our shepherd. And as we begin to build this relationship with the shepherd, his will begins to be clear for us. I wonder if as you look at your life, are you being guided by the spirit of God? When you have a decision to make, do you just run off on your own? Or do you wait and allow the Lord to, to lead you, to guide you, and to direct you? makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? I remember um, several years ago, this was a long time ago, I went on a, a fishing trip with, he's not in here, but with Mike Taylor. Now, if you know Mike, Mike is, uh, works at Skeeter Boats, and so he does, I mean, fishing is what he does. He knows fishing. And so one day he came by the office, asked me if I'd like to go, and I said yes. And so we went, we went fishing. I didn't take a rod and reel. I didn't take anything. We're just on the boat. He said, fish with this. And I started fishing. And he said, no, don't throw it that way. Throw it this way. And I mean, he was telling me every little thing to do. He takes us to the spot, his good fishing spot, and we're fishing when we're catching these fish. Finally, I get this this big bass on, and you can tell it's it's bothering him. He's wanting to make sure I get it in the boat, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying, and so he's grabbing the net. He's jumping on this side. He's jumping on this side. He's ready to get it, and we finally get it in the boat. I was able to, to do well because I was listening to the one who knew what to do. It wasn't because of me, it was because he was telling me everything to do along the way. If it would have been me, the line would have broken. You see, in life, we've got the author and the perfecter of our faith. We've got the one who wrote the book. We've got the one who knows which way to go and which way to not go. If we want to live the victorious Christian life, we need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. You want to know which way is right? Let the Holy Spirit of God lead you to which way is right. You've got a decision to make. You've got a question to answer in your life. Don't go to Dr. Phil. Lord, don't go to Facebook. Go to God. Let the Lord guide you and lead you and direct you. We've got to finish up. Let's do it real quick. It says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? For his name's sake, when we as believers live a life in the will of God, who gets the honor? God does. It's for his name's sake. his name, I am. That is who he is. That is his character. And he is glorified in us when we are living for him. But yet when we go and we live for ourselves, then we are taking glory away from God. Let's close with this. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you notice this? He's gone from the green pastures to the quiet waters, and now he's talking about the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you that it is the same God who takes us to the green pastures that leads us into the valleys of death? It's the same God. It's not a prosperity gospel that says if you're following the shepherd, you'll always have the green pastures and the calm waters. You can be following God and go through the most difficult times of your life and still be right in the center of the will of God. It's been said that we are never so conscious of the presence of God as when we pass through life's valleys. It is through the difficult times of life that we are the most aware of God. And so they would go to these these mountaintops and these plains, and they would go down into the valleys. And in the valleys, the animals would hide in the valleys. And so there were predators in the valleys. A storm could come, and the, the floods would come, and there was danger in the valleys. But even in the valleys, God is still there. And you know what we face in the valleys? We face fear in the valleys. But he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Listen, let's close with this. As long as God is with us, we don't have anything to be afraid of. There is nothing in life that we are to be afraid of because we know that God is with us. I know that's tough. I mean, I still have times that I'm afraid, but I shouldn't. You shouldn't. God is bigger than anything you're about to face. So I want to ask you to close your eyes. I want you to think about this. I want to just encourage you for a minute this evening. What valley are are you facing? What's the difficulty in your life? What's the struggle that you're up against? What is it that you you worry about at night that, that, that keeps you up? can i just remind you the lord is your shepherd the lord is your shepherd you you don't have to want he's going to meet your needs he's going to guide you he's going to direct you Uh, remember this it says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you it's a personal pronoun because you are with me you're with me no matter where i go realize that wherever you find yourself at this evening The intimate and personal Savior loves you. And you're not left to meander through life without a purpose. He's got a path of righteousness for you. A path of righteousness that will count. A life of righteousness that will make a difference in your life, in your family's life, and in the life of others. You say, well, what am I supposed to do to make that count? All you've got to do is stick with the shepherd. It's really simple. Stick with the shepherd. Rest in the shepherd. Be led and directed by the shepherd. Let the shepherd be what you look for in life. And your life will be a life of purpose, and it will count. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we can come, God, and we can praise you. Lord, and we can study your word, be renewed and be refreshed by your word. Lord, we thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you care for us as a shepherd God. Lord, I pray for the the struggles that are represented here tonight. Lord, the worry and the fear because it seems like there's a valley of death. Lord, I pray that we have seen tonight that we have no reason to be afraid because you are bigger than any problem that we face. And so let us to rest in that, God, to be assured of that and to know that when we face difficulties that, God, you are right there with us.